Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Tuesdays, wherever you may be, across this great nation or this great land. Uh, Heads up, I will be in Florida for the rest of the week, so I will not be uh, here doing these shows. I'll be back on Monday, headed down to the beach. I'll be doing radio and television. In fact, I'll be on Fox & Friends tomorrow morning from the beach. Uh, But I will be in Florida for the next several days, just FYI, in case you are interested in where these shows are on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That is where your boy will be. So, uh, big news. There's a lot of big news stories out there for us to to dive into here. Um, And I want to start with the news that just broke in the last hour or so. Uh, Elon Musk has said that Twitter banning Donald Trump was, quote, morally wrong and flat out stupid, and that he would end the banning of Donald Trump in the event that he ends up taking possession of Twitter. Elon Musk is right here, okay? So let's start. There's so many different angles to deconstruct. I have argued this for years that it made no sense to ban Donald Trump from Twitter. It was wrong, okay? Uh, And it set an awful precedent, and it hasn't been applied evenly. When you have the Ayatollah of Iran able to tweet, when you have the Taliban uh, able to tweet, you have to allow the, at that point, democratically elected President of the United States, Donald Trump, to be able to tweet as well. It was a bad decision, an awful precedent that was set by banning Donald Trump. So if Elon Musk buys Twitter, I think it's the right decision. And he pointed out, by the way, that Jack Dorsey agreed with him as well. It was the right decision to extend the olive branch to Donald Trump and potentially allow him to return to Twitter. Now, now, I don't even know that it's actually good for Trump to come back to Twitter from a political perspective. And I do think that there's actually been backlash from the suspension that has worked in favor of Donald Trump. In other words, I think Twitter does not necessarily benefit Donald Trump. And there are a couple of different angles to consider here. If Trump is going to run in 2024, does he benefit from being on Twitter? Well, I asked that specific question of you guys And around 15,000 of you have voted in the first hour already. And 55% of you said returning to Twitter would be good for Trump's presidential campaign. 45% of you said you thought it would be bad. I think it depends on how he uses Twitter. But I don't necessarily think it's good. And let me explain what I mean by that. 2024, in theory... Is, is and should be a referendum on the incumbent president who is in office. That is Joe Biden. Every election with a sitting incumbent is a referendum on that incumbent. You judge whether or not they have done a good job and whether or not you think the person who might replace them would do a better job. If Donald Trump is on Twitter and begins to tweet like he did before, I think the possibility exists that 2024 is a referendum on Donald Trump more than it is a referendum on Joe Biden. And I'm not sure that Trump ends up benefiting with so-called swing voters 
by being on Twitter. Now, if he used Twitter differently, that could be a totally different story, but I don't think he would. And so I think this would play into Democrat hands. Flip side, I think Democrats, you've actually lost by banning Donald Trump. Because when Donald Trump is not on Twitter, the things that antagonized middle-of-the-road voters, suburban women, don't continue to antagonize them. And the referendum on the presidency becomes an up-or-down vote on Joe Biden. Without Trump able to be involved in the political discourse on Twitter, I actually think he becomes a martyr for the right and ends up benefiting because everybody already has, by and large, an opinion on Donald Trump. And I'm not sure that the storyline is beneficial to him in 2024 to be on Twitter. I'm also not sure, because of Truth Social, whether he's contractually able to even be on Twitter or not. My my surmisal, my guess, and I haven't seen the contract, so I'm not saying this for sure, would be that a part of gaining the equity and the stake that he did in Truth Social was an understanding that he wouldn't go back to Twitter. And in fact, Trump has said that he would not return to Twitter. Which means, if that is true, that Elon Musk saying that Trump should be allowed back on Twitter is actually beneficial to Elon, potentially, because it allows him to set the precedent of not permanently banning people while simultaneously not having to actually deal with the fallout of Trump returning to Twitter. So, in 2024, whether Biden runs or not, given the fact that Democrats control the Senate, the House, and the presidency right now, everything that's gone wrong, inflation at 8.5%, the border as a sieve, uh, the overall uh, murder rate skyrocketing, crime in general increasing exponentially in the country, COVID not going away, which was the promise of Joe Biden that he made when he ran on his campaign, the disasters overseas in both Afghanistan and in Ukraine, all of this is a direct responsibility of Joe Biden now. If Trump runs, does he turn the story from Biden's failures to a referendum on Donald Trump one way or the other? That, to me, is the big question. But in terms of what is being said... Uh, from Elon Musk, I think he's standing on principle and precedent here when he says Twitter banning Donald Trump was morally wrong and flat out stupid. Elon Musk is 100% right on that front. Tom Brady is reportedly coming to Fox Sports and making sure uh, that he is going forward going to be making a lot of money as potentially the new number one voice on NFL games for Fox, Tom Brady is, according to the New York Post, going to be paid. Well, let me start with not what he's being paid. Huge win here uh, for Fox Sports and Eric Shanks, for Lachlan Murdoch. Uh, Fox announced their earnings this morning and had managed to keep this story under wraps. So Tom Brady to Fox, 10 years, $375 million is the report, according to the New York Post. Huge coup, huge win, because many people had been taking shots at Fox for a while over the fact that uh, that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, the otherwise number one voice for Fox, were no longer going to be at Fox, and boom, out of nowhere it feels like Fox Sports' Eric Shanks rises up and dunks on everyone else 
by getting one of the proverbial white whales, Peyton Manning would be the other one, but Brady calling games for Fox, I think he'd be really good at it. He obviously would have to work at it like anything else for a new job, but Brady getting 10 years, $375 million whenever he retires to become the new number one voice of the NFL going forward is a heck of a win for Fox when it comes to replacing Aikman and also replacing Joe Buck. The idea, by the way, is that Tom Brady would be paired with Kevin Burkhart and that that would be the new number one booth for Fox. Now, how many more years is Tom Brady going to play? Who knows? Uh, Also, in the meantime, it appears Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson would be the number one booth. So we'll see how that duo ends up doing in that job. Uh, But in a large context, this is a monster win for Fox Sports, which has two of the next three Super Bowls, including this year's Super Bowl out in Phoenix. Uh, Theoretically, by 2025, Tom Brady would be in the booth, theoretically, again, calling that game uh, for Fox Sports, the Super Bowl. Uh, The NBA. I got a couple of different NBA stories here, which are great and perfect hypocrisies. Uh, The NBA has announced that they are going to play games in October. These are preseason games in the United Arab Emirates in the UAE. This is significant for the primary reason that it elucidates the insane hypocrisy afoot when it comes to the NBA claiming to be a woke basketball organization. The NBA, you will recall, pulled its all-star game out of, uh, out of <coughs> Charlotte because they were upset over a transgender bathroom bill. Now, (coughs) that transgender bathroom bill in Charlotte, all it really said was you're supposed to use the gender on your birth certificate in the bathroom. And again, I've been arguing for years, this is a law that was really unnecessary because nobody stands outside of the bathroom and checks to see what gender you are before you go into the bathroom. If you're dressed like a boy, use the boy's bathroom. Dress like a girl, use the girl's bathroom. Okay? So that is the, uh, that is, uh, the, uh, that is the storyline in general. Okay? So North Carolina, Charlotte, bathroom bill, transgender, all of that issue, and the NBA decides that they are going to pull the All-Star game out of North Carolina, and out of Charlotte. And now, the NBA is going to play their games in the UAE, where, wait for me here, homosexuality is punishable by death. Let me repeat this. The NBA said, we can't have a transgender bathroom bill in the state of North Carolina. That's unacceptable. We will not play our all-star game there. But the NBA is perfectly fine with sending teams overseas to play games in the UAE where homosexuality is punishable by death. How in the world can the NBA countenance the hypocrisy here of not playing games in North Carolina because of a transgender bathroom bill (coughs) which impacts almost no one and in no way, to my knowledge, was ever implemented in a serious way. But they're fine with going to the UAE where homosexuality is punishable by death. 
There is no way to justify this in any universe. What's going on is what happens far too often. The NBA is claiming to be super woke here in the United States, but they are not standing up for United States values around the world. And this is what we have previously seen happen with the NBA's relationship with China. Now, I want to make it clear. If a company decides that they have to have certain rules in their own country, but also (coughs) other rules elsewhere, I understand that. Because that's what living in a global world requires. But you cannot lecture me in the United States about how woke you are and how much of a social justice warrior you are here in the United States while not standing up for basic human rights around the world. Democracy, uh, the ability to choose who you want to be married to, not being in concentration camps, being in favor of human rights is something that everyone should embrace. Well, the UAE does not allow basic human rights to gay people. So how is it that the NBA can lecture us about transgender bathroom bills in Charlotte and pull its all-star game out of that state while simultaneously going into a different country that punishes homosexuality by death? This is a question that if we had a real sports media, We had people who actually answered questions and asked questions and demanded answers to those questions. Be the number one thing that Adam Silver and the NBA were being asked today. And by the way, this is incompetent of the NBA because they finally have started to get away from politics and then they decide to parachute into the UAE and play games there. Next level incompetent. But this hypocrisy is not going away. The NBA has to make a decision. Do they stand for basic human rights around the world or do they not? And if playing a game in a state that has a bill you don't like is in some way a tacit endorsement of that bill, which is what they said as it pertained to Charlotte and North Carolina with the transgender bill, then how in the world can they justify going to the UAE given that the UAE punishes homosexuality in some cases by death? Just a good question. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. I'm Clay Travis, and Outkick the Show is going to keep right on rolling. Speaking of hypocrisy in the NBA, I'd love to hear Steve Kerr's opinion on this. Steve Kerr, you'll recall yesterday I was talking about, Saturday, during Game 3 of the Grizzlies Warriors series, I pointed out Steve Kerr was the only person basically wearing a mask in the entire arena. And he was regularly pulling down that mask to yell out instructions to his team, which defeated the entire purpose of wearing the mask in the first place. That, In other words, it was all cosmetic theater. He wasn't making anybody safer at all by wearing that mask the way he was wearing it. Wearing a mask, period. But certainly wearing a mask where you pull it down constantly to yell out instructions to your team is not in any way actually making anybody safer from COVID. Wearing the mask was all cosmetic theater. Made fun of Steve Kerr yesterday about this. It's this exact same time on this exact same show. Within a couple of hours, what ends up happening? Steve Kerr test positive for COVID and was not able to coach in game four. It's a perfect perfect illustration 
of the hypocrisy of mask wearing and how inefficient and ineffective that mask wearing actually is. Again, how many people actually pointed it out in sports media or with any kind of substantial audience? Almost no one except for me. Why is that? Because so many of the left-wingers in sports media still want to pretend that wearing masks makes a difference and they're on Team Social Justice Warrior and so they will not actually speak truth to power. They will pretend that stories like these don't exist which further demonstrate how stupid the COVID protocols are. By the way, why are we even testing for COVID? Every league needs to get back to if you're too sick to play, you don't have to play. Most of the time, that would never apply for COVID. Okay? Given that everyone is going to be fine, why do we treat COVID differently than every other illness, particularly given the fact that it's never going to go away? If Steve Kerr had the flu, he'd probably coach. If he had a bad cold, he'd probably coach. Well, why wouldn't he coach with COVID? We've got to stop this stupidity as it pertains to treating COVID differently than every other illness on the planet. Bunch of stories still to hit. Speaking of game four, how about Dylan Brooks and that disastrous performance? I'm sorry, Memphis Grizzly fans. You would have won this game if Dylan Brooks wasn't an abject disaster when it came to, uh, to his performance on the court. I mean, this was beyond a shadow of a doubt, a total embarrassment uh, when it comes to uh, Dylan Brooks's performance. I mean, look, you already didn't have uh, your normal allotment of talent uh, thanks to the fact that John Morant was not playing. And now you're dealing with a guy in Dylan Brooks. I'm looking at the box score right now to make sure I get it right. Shot 5 of 19 overall from the field. It was four for nine, four for eighteen before he banked in a three on the final shot of the game. One for eight from three until that perspective. Uh, he was awful. If Dylan Brooks is just mediocre, then the Grizz would have found a way to win this game. Instead, Golden State fought their way back to a victory. Steph was really good as he often is in the fourth quarter and led his team to a victory. 3-1 commanding lead, probably, although we've seen the Warriors give up a 3-1 lead before. We saw them do it to the Cavs, certainly, several years ago. Uh, There are no charges coming. Remember the Mike Tyson airplane fight? My number one question coming out of the Mike Tyson airplane fight was pretty simple. Uh, Who in the world is picking a fight with Mike Tyson for any reason as that guy seemed to do on the airplane behind Mike Tyson? And uh, and so uh, just a b- reporting that there's not going to be any charges brought against Mike Tyson for what happened on the airplane. I'll also point out, in terms of airplane behavior, this should get more attention than it is. The number of airplane-related issues has collapsed uh, since masks have been removed from flyers. Let me repeat that. Since we have done away with masks, there haven't been any resulting massive increases in cancellations or flight attendants or pilots having COVID-related issues. Uh, And the overall number of complaints have plummeted in airplane flights because masks are dehumanizing. They are creating a great deal of anxiety and anger. 
And as soon as you let everybody see each other's face again, and don't put flight attendants in the position of trying to enforce a totally stupid rule that has no basis in reality and doesn't make anybody safer, everybody's in a better mood suddenly in an airplane flight. And I know because I flew to Florida last week, I'm flying to Florida back this week. People feel better and it feels far more normal to not require everyone to be wearing a mask. It is a major difference maker in terms of producing feelings of comfort and familiarity. Joe Biden spoke today on inflation. was a total mess. Uh, Joe Biden doesn't have an answer for inflation. The worst line that I saw from Joe Biden was he said that the 8.5% inflation would be worse if the Democrats hadn't enacted the plans that they have. This demands a, uh, an investigation. So Joe Biden is telling us by spending trillions of dollars on additional government spending that he actually lowered what otherwise would have been rates of inflation. When Joe Biden took over, inflation was under 2% in January of 2021. It's now 8.5%. We'll see what happens going forward. But the idea that what Democrats have done has lowered inflation means that Joe Biden is suggesting that if Democrats hadn't passed the bills that they had, inflation would be double digits. But that flies directly in the face of Biden saying inflation wasn't going to be an issue, which is the first thing he said. Second thing he said was that inflation was going to be transitory. Third thing he said was inflation was Vladimir Putin's fault. And now he's landed on inflation is bad, but it would have been worse if we hadn't done what we've done. These are all lies. And they need to be called out as such. We've got a 40-year inflation high right now. And it has all come about since Joe Biden came into office. He's Jimmy Carter without the accomplishments. He is worse on every single issue that... Joe Biden has touched. Things have gotten worse. The border is a sieve. Worst pretty much of all time. Murder rates are skyrocketing in this country. We've got war in Europe for the first time in 75 years. Inflation is at 8.5%. We still have not regained all of the jobs that we had in February of 2020. So don't allow Biden to sell you this idea that he's presided over a great economic recovery We still haven't even dug our way back out of the hole that we created ourselves with lockdowns back in February and March of 2020. We haven't gotten back to those numbers of employment uh, that we had then. The number of people that are employed is still below that that tally. A couple of other stories that are out there. Dave Chappelle is upset that the guy who attacked him on the stage is not being charged with a felony as well he should be. That man attacked him on stage while carrying a weapon and it's being treated as a misdemeanor. Dave Chappelle is rightly illustrating the failures of left-wing prosecutors in blue cities. We have to have consequences for criminal behavior. We can't allow everything to be treated as a misdemeanor and Dave Chappelle is rightly pointing out that he was attacked by an armed man with a weapon and it's turned into a misdemeanor. Chappelle's right. This should be a felony charge. Um, this is a ridiculous story. Did you see coming out of the state of Virginia, a man and a woman getting married had a coin flip 
to determine what their last name was going to be. Now, I 100% guarantee you that this is a function of a Joe Biden voter, all right? There's no way that a man who voted for Donald Trump or even a man who votes Republican or probably even a man who votes Libertarian is risking his last name on a coin flip with a woman he's marrying. Now, I've got three boys. If I found out that one of them was risking the last name that I had given them on a coin flip, I would be tempted to not attend the wedding. I would be tempted to not give them their inheritance. All right? This is a ludicrous proposition. If both people want to keep their own names, fine, whatever. But if you are a man that is willing to give up his last name over a coin flip and take your bride's name, I'm sorry, you are the definition of a beta loser, all right? And this guy definitely voted for Joe Biden. I think this is a pathetic move. Uh, if, uh, if I'm a dad and, uh, and my sons are doing this, I'm sure dads are throwing up their hands everywhere. And also, I don't even think women like this, right? Women don't even like this precedent. Again, if you want to keep your name because you are successful in your field and you think it makes sense, more power to you. All right, I'm not going to argue about that. But I ain't taking your name. And I don't know how much, I don't even know you could pay me to take someone else's name as a man. Certainly, I'm not going to allow it to come down to a coin flip. By the way, the guy won the coin flip. But what a ridiculous, absurd personification of masculinity on decline this story is in the first place. Uh, Speaking of uh, this story being a, a, a perfect decline, The Wall Street Journal has a tremendous front page article. I would encourage all of you to read it. I shared it on my Twitter feed, pointing out that the Steele dossier, remember when the Steele dossier was getting all this attention back in 2017 as evidence that Donald Trump was some sort of Manchurian candidate? Remember when everybody was buying into it, BuzzFeed published it, everybody was talking about it? Now comes out, according to this Wall Street Journal investigation, that it was just three friends sitting around gossiping and there was virtually no basis in reality for any of it. It was just three friends sitting around gossiping, and it ended up driving the news cycle because so many people out there were desperate for Donald Trump to be a Russian agent that they abdicated all responsibility when it came to checking the most basic evidentiary details to verify whether or not this was true. It's embarrassing. It's shameful. It's an indictment of the mainstream media. I encourage you to go read that article and further encourage you to remain skeptical going forward. You cannot believe everything that you read. So much of everything out there is totally made up trash. Finally, speaking of totally made up trash, I talked about yesterday uh, that we should not allow protests outside of Supreme Court justice homes. That doesn't mean that I'm anti-protest. You can protest some places so long as you do so within the law. But the intent of protests outside of Supreme Court justice homes is to try and influence them when it comes to rendering justice in the Supreme Court, which is a violation of federal law. It's also a violation of state law. So in Virginia and certainly in the District of Columbia, these should be considered to be uh, punishable issues, people should be arrested. Now, I understand the discussion of, 
hey, if you arrest people for these violations, are you making them martyrs, thereby potentially creating larger issues going forward? That's a valid debate. I can certainly understand how that would transpire. But certainly we are creating more danger. And when Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, says that the overturning of Roe v. Wade is a call to arms, that is not the kind of phrase that should be encouraged in this country. And so, again, I think we have to be very careful about the environment for violence that we are potentially creating here. Really serious, dangerous, potential environment for violence that is being encouraged by Democrats. Now, to the credit of the United States Senate, they have passed a bill that would provide protection for the Supreme Court justice families. But I would just point out the reason why they need to do that is because Joe Biden has continued to refuse to criticize all of the dangerous behavior that we are seeing take place out there. And he hasn't criticized the leaking of this Supreme Court opinion, which is something that has never happened in my life before. We've had people talk about why rulings occurred the way they did. We've had discussions in a larger context about leaks from the Supreme Court. We've never had the leaking of a full proposed draft opinion before. This is a total total assault upon the independence of the judiciary. Joe Biden should be ashamed that he's not willing to condemn it. And I hope that the violence is not going to continue to grow. Again, it's why I believe Chief Justice Roberts needs to sign on to this 5-4 opinion, make it 6-3 overturning Roe v. Wade, and go ahead and issue it as soon as possible. All right. I love all of you. I'm headed down to Florida for the rest of the week. I'll be doing the radio show. No worries there. But I hope all of you have a fantastic rest of your week. You can listen to us on Clay and Buck. This has been Outkick the Show. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. The anonymous mailbag also up. Very entertaining today. Encourage all of you to go read that as well. As always, thanks for hanging. I'll be on Fox and Friends early tomorrow morning from the beach. And I'll be doing Clay and Buck the rest of the week. Love you guys. See ya.